Welcome to the Arise podcast. My name is Tanya Anderson. I'm the CEO here at Arise. And it's my pleasure to have with me today Juanita Clark Abalafia. She is the Regional Transition Manager for our Open Doors program. Welcome, Juanita. Good afternoon, Tanya. So, Open Doors is a program that really does just what it says. It opens the door for people who live in an institution and transitions them to the community. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure, yes it does. It opens the doors. Basically, in kind of a nutshell, um, we are brought into uh, the nursing homes, our team. We are given a referral for people that are just looking to look into their options for going back to the community Um, and then what we do is we meet with them we go over their needs we talk to family members social workers and we just we listen to them you know um, because not everybody is able to go back home live independently but we listen to them give them their voice and then we we develop a transition plan if it is viable and then we connect them to all the, the appropriate services that they'll need to uh, remain independent at home if they if it all works together for them so this is um, really amazing and very vital for folks who are in a nursing home and and want to go home and they're just not sure how to go about it Mm -hmm. can you walk us through the the steps of the process so you mentioned referrals Mm -hmm. what does that mean is it from an institution from an agency self-referrals how does it work we pretty much get referrals from every source basically it could be from the individual themselves in the nursing home the social workers family members representatives Ombudsman sometimes, um, other agencies, um, and New York Independent Living Center as well. Um, they also send us referrals. So it's anybody that right. can give us a referral. Um, and so we do, once we do get that referral, we are tasked with going out and meeting with them personally or virtually, whatever the case is right. appropriate. And so we we just review whatever their needs are Um, and then we talk to the social workers we get them on board and make sure that there is a discharge plan in place and then we develop a transition plan as well right and when you have that initial meeting you're obviously getting to know the person and Mm -hmm. what they want because as an independent living center that's what arise is about in terms of looking at the person, meeting with the person with a disability, mm-hmm. hearing yes. from them what they want. And in that initial meeting, you, you talked about some people may not necessarily um, be suitable for a transition. What are some of the factors that you look at? Some folks are what we would call high needs. You know, their needs are way too high to be met in the community safely. And those are medical needs, really. Yeah, medical needs. Um, sometimes uh, it could be competency, like their inability to competently be able to, um, you know, advocate on their own behalf. Make Maybe decisions for make what for they the, need. Right, yeah. exactly. Or they don't have any guardians or any other representatives. Okay. Sometimes it's just not safe right now because of those needs. Um, and so um, we would, you know, refer them off to other uh, other resources, but sometimes even those resources would say, no, um, they're not safe to return to the community at this time. Right. And is it 
sometimes the case that someone may not be suitable for a transition when you first meet them, but things change along the line and they do become more suitable where yes. it is safe. They can they can become um, you know, uh, more appropriate for transition down the road with, let's say, more physical therapy or, you know, maybe somebody, uh, a family member came came to to light and that right. person could provide some support in the community right. um, and those kinds of things. Um, so we, we, we do our very best to make sure that first and foremost the transition is going to be safe. We don't want to ever set anybody up for failure returning to the community. Um, so all their services and supports are in place. Um, so that's one of the you know, primary key Absolutely. factors um, Absolutely. for this program. So uh, say some you've had this initial conversation, you get to know the person, you determine that it is safe and it is, it is a likely uh, avenue for them. What are some of the pieces of the transition plan? Well, it, it all depends. Every plan is different. Um, so let's say, for example, uh, an individual needs a waiver program. Um, they have uh, some cognitive deficits and they might need an NHTD nursing home transition diversion waiver program um, and that person would may uh, qualify for home and community-based services so I would refer them off to the nursing home and transition waiver and they would come in and do their assessment right. and then they would make sh they would determine whether or not this person would be appropriate for the waiver um, then you know maybe they need housing uh, this we have a Olmstead housing subsidy here right at Arise and so I would refer them off to Olmstead housing they would do their assessment and start looking for appropriate housing accessibility you know subsidized housing um, for that person and then it does take a lot of work pulling all these pieces together some folks need just managed long-term care services so we would do referrals to what's called New York independent assessment so we you know are moving a lot of pieces <laughs> a lot of parts right um, and then um, but we're always staying in um, the background and we're moving those parts along right and we're working with social workers and everybody that's in place. Right. Um, and then once that discharge does come to fruition, once we get to that um, date of discharge, um, and all the services are coming together, I we our team goes out and meets with the staff, make sure everything has been put together. Right. That. The person's got a home, got the keys, got a house, you know, all the housing pieces together, has got furniture, got the services, got aids coming. There's a whole mess of things that come together um, with that discharge. And then we follow them for up to a year. Right. So, so it, you're really putting a lot of pieces of that puzzle together. You say you're in the background, but you're really coordinating everything. Yes. And mm -hmm. it's really um, a positive thing about Arise is that we have in-house multiple programs that mm -hmm. will support the transition. So you're able to pick up the phone and call a colleague and say, hey, we, I've got someone here that I think can benefit from your services with housing, with a waiver program, which mm -hmm. coordinates additional services. Yep. That must make your job a little easier. Yeah, it does. It's, it, it's uh, collaborative, and it's, it's very good to collaborate within 
our own staff, and it's yeah. awesome. Absolutely. I, I enjoy that part of it, too. I know everyone is different, but how long do these transition planning services, this stage of the process, how long does it usually take? It can, um, it, it all depends. <laughs> I love this question because um, I get this like 100 times a day. Um, but uh, every person's plan is different. There is no cookie cutter, unfortunately. There's no way of just like, okay, this takes six weeks, this takes three weeks. Um, so everybody's different. But I would say the typical good transition plan that goes from start to finish can it, it could be processed within a good six months. Sometimes it's longer depending on waiver services, depending on services out there, home care, all those different, as we know right now, that's a really difficult piece right now. Right. Um, so it is moving all those pieces together. And it's sometimes those successes do happen. So, <laughs> right. And you have many successes. And in my mind, six months doesn't seem that long, given how complex this process can it, be. It is very complex, yes. And right. they, they want it faster. Of, of course. course. We <laughs> all want things faster. But six months seems very reasonable to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever encounter resistance from um, the nursing home staff or administrators? Um, occasionally, the social workers sometimes. Um, it's getting a lot better. Over the last few years, it's gotten a lot better. But I think they they sometimes just feel like sometimes we come in and they're pushing on their toes a little bit. Right. Um, but a lot of the younger generation now are like, oh, you want to help? awesome and they're like help letting us come in and help them and, and real helping them understand that we're here as a support to them right and keeping them um educated about all the different services that are out there um because no one social worker can possibly know everything that's out there and available to them so that's our our role is to make sure that they're they're aware and that they we are there to support um, them in these discharges and so things have gotten a lot better in that regard um, there are a few right there are a few that just don't want our help and that reluctance may come from as you said that th we all want everyone to be safe and yes. they may mm -hmm. not be aware that in fact this individual can be very safe and very successful in mm -hmm. the community yep yep if they'll get all the supports in place and everything's all the ducks are in a row right it can work very well. Absolutely. And as you had mentioned, you don't just set someone up and say, here's the key to your new, your new apartment, no. um, good luck, but no. you do really intensive follow-up. Yes, Can we you tell do. me about that? Yes. Uh, so within the first month of their discharge, we're pretty, um, we're pretty active right away. Um, so we're out there either at their home, um, on the phone, making sure that sometimes we actually do have to um, make sure that they're getting their Medicaid switched over, getting their food stamps, getting all those pieces as right. well in the community. It all depends on which services they have. Right. Um, but we're following those individuals, like, you know, because sometimes they don't have all the support. So we're, we're kind of almost become service coordinators, <laughs> making sure that those supports are in place. Right. Um, and then after about a, a month or so, then we're, it's like it kind of weans down to a month, every month that we're checking in. We're also doing what's called a baseline quality of life survey, and that's a, a state-funded survey that we do. 
um, based on their time in the nursing home and it's about their quality of life. Obviously, their quality of life is going to change from being in a nursing home to being back out in the community and hopefully positively, obviously. So we also do that after 11 months. So things have to hopefully change (laughs) that is positive. So um, then we keep them for about a a year, almost a year. Um, And some stay completely out for the whole year. And then there's a couple once in a while that reinstitutionalize because of other circumstances. Because things change, yeah. Illness or whatever, yeah. Right. And those survey results, I would imagine, they are generally positive in terms of there's an improvement when yes. someone is in the community? Yes, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. <laughs> That's yeah, great. Yeah, because the quality, like, spikes, you know, from being in the nursing facility to back out in the community. Um, so there's a lot of pieces to it, but, yeah, it's... It sounds complicated, and it would be intuitive to you and me that that quality of life would spike and mm-hmm. improve, but mm-hmm. it's nice to have that hard data to back you up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So we talked a lot about safety, and we all know that during the pandemic, institutions and nursing homes were not a safe place to be mm-hmm. because the virus spread much more rapidly. Mm-hmm. But you were able to transition people during that period. How many? Around 45 within one year of, I think it was 2021, 2022, something like that. That's amazing. Yeah. How did you manage to do that? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) We We were doing everything virtually. And so that's regionally. That's not just our center, but that's regionally. And, uh, but I was very proud of our team because it's like it, we had so many challenges. Um, we couldn't go in the nursing home. We couldn't get our eyes and ears on them right. physically. It was very difficult with the social workers because of trying to do all this virtual stuff and learning all that. Right. You know, because it was a that was a learning curve for for all everybody. Of, uh, for everybody. So um, it was. We were just diligent. We were just. We were just diligent in what we were doing and uh, we were successful to get some folks out and that was a great number we were really proud of that you are diligent you are dedicated and you make such a difference in people's lives can you share with us one particular story that sticks out in your mind in terms of a transition oh I'm sure I have many um, but there is one um, gentleman um, he kind of got right here in my heart. Um, he came from a nursing home out in Rome area, and uh, he was an older gentleman. And uh, he he just was so um, specific about wanting to get out. He just and he he could, you know, he didn't need to be in a nursing home. And a lot of times we find that. We find folks that really don't need to be in a nursing home. So, and he didn't have a lot of support, and he didn't have a lot of family at the time or at all. And so I was very, like, I kind of took him up under my wing. Yeah. I took him up under my wing. And and so I brought him uh, out here to Syracuse, and he ended up going to the Eshai program over there in Camillus. And it's a supported housing program. I'm sorry, yes, uh, Eshai, it's supported housing. (laughs) I don't know what it all stands for, but I remember it's a supported housing. It's supported housing. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, yeah, so it's a supported housing program, and he was just tickled pink that he find, he had been in the nursing home for about three years. Wow. And he, he really didn't need to be. And he was just tickled pink, and we got him, you know, furnishings and support and aids in place and the whole nine yards. And that was only a few years ago. And he just, he thrived because he was one of those people that loved to be in the community and Mm -hmm. do things out in the community and go to the library and those things. And he was being stifled in those activities. Right. And he was able to now get back out to the things he loved. And it was just, it was a blessing to see that, you know, how he thrived and, and grew after that. So, and he's still doing well. Is he? Of course he is. (laughs) I'm so glad that you took him under your wing. I'm not at all surprised. Just thank you for the work that you do. It's it makes such a huge difference in the world, not just for the people that you're transitioning, but for all of us in the community to benefit from them mm-hmm. because that's what Arise is about is independent living, being in the community and just recognizing the value of people with disabilities in every facet of their lives. And just the passion you bring to your work is just um, remarkable. Thank so you. thank you so much, Juanita. You're welcome. Thank you. For more information on how you can support Arise, visit our website at ariseinc.org. Support Arise, support independence.